take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Today we celebrate the gospel. We celebrate it because it is God's working in our hearts and in our lives. We celebrate it because it is God giving to us a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. We celebrate it because great is our God. To him be the glory, great things he has done. We celebrate it as we recognize the given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate it because of who God And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we have the order and meaning of the Lord's table. Verse 23 tells us, For I have received from the Lord that I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. I want you to make note of that phrase, on the night in which he was betrayed. You remember that Jesus was in the upper room to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. And that celebration recognized God's work in his people's lives, a work of deliverance. As the people left Egypt and were freed from the bondage that had held them for some 400 years. Every year the people were to remember that. Maybe Mike's right, Randy. We ought to put a plaque someplace. To remind us of the good news that God has delivered his people. Great things he has done. As we move forward into the New Testament, we recognize that the Passover was also a recognition of John's declaration. Where John said, behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And the mission of Jesus was to become flesh, to show us the glory of the Father full of grace and truth. But the reality is that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and in order to do that, he had to die as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And that celebration was in preparation for the gospel. The gospel that Christ died for our sins. Keep your finger in chapter 11 and turn over to chapter 15, will you please? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There was a lot that took place on the night when she was betrayed. He left the Passover celebration and went to the garden where he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It was in the garden that Judas and the soldiers appeared. And Jesus' greeting to Jesus was, friend, why are you here? And they arrested him. And then a series of seven unjust trials took place. A few days later, he appeared before Pilate. The people cried out, crucify him. And Pilate, wanting to wash his hands of the whole matter, said, 
Well, shall I release unto you Barabbas? And they said, release unto us Barabbas. What shall we do with Jesus? Crucify him. And he was taken to Golgotha, place of the skull, where between two thieves they crucified him. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus went to Pilate and asked for the body. Took it and buried it. And three days later, they went back to commemorate their friend, their Lord, Jesus. And as they went back, back to the cemetery, the angel declared, he's not here, he's risen, as he said. And then there were 10 post-resurrection appearances of Christ. The gospel. Paul was one of those post-resurrection appearances of Christ. Acts chapter 8 and 9 tell us how he was on his way to persecute the believers. And, And while he was in the road, a great light appeared to him. And he said, who are you, Lord? I think that's interesting that Paul recognized that it was the Lord. And Jesus met Paul in the gospel. And now here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives to us the gospel. Verse 1, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. The gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins and according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. There's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Why? Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ was buried. This is not some folk tale. This is not some storyline. The reality is that they placed him in a tomb rolled a stone across it, sealed it, and even posted a guard. He was buried. But he rose again. He rose again. And validated what he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Amen. That's the gospel. So here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds us of the gospel. And I want very quickly this morning just to share three dynamic truths with you. Concerning the gospel. The first truth is this. That we have a living 
more. Are you still in 1 Corinthians 15? Verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have gone to glory, fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. You know, it's been interesting if you have followed the news in the last 10 days. To witness the he, shit, he said, she said debate that has gone on in our nation's capital. And the question with that whole debate is, who's credible? Who's telling the truth? And it's still he said, she said. Let me tell you something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a he said, she said. There is credible truth. There are eyewitnesses. There are those who give verbal testimony that they have seen the Lord. And if you're here this morning and know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, that is a verbal testimony that you could give too, right? Perhaps not with your eyes, but certainly with your hearts. And the recognition is because he lives, everything changes. I love that hymn, don't you? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know, I know. He holds the future. Well, I'm glad about that too. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Undeniable, non-debatable. We have a living Lord. But not only do we have a living Lord, we also have a living hope. Jump down to verse 19, will you please? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. The honesty of Paul says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are a people most to be pitied. Now stop right there. That's truth, isn't it? If in this life only we have hope in the resurrection of Christ, we are to be pitied. I like King James, it says, we're of all men most miserable. (laughs) But underline verse 20. But now, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by one man came death, By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. 
For he must reign until he has put all the enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Amen? We have a living hope. Molly's life did not end last Sunday evening. It just began. When you and I are promoted to glory, our lives will not end. They will just be beginning. And the declaration that now is Christ risen. And he'll put all things under his feet. And the last enemy is death. Later in this passage we'll read, oh grave, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have a living hope. And we have a living future. Jump down to verse 50, please. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, as I quoted. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The strength of the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a living future. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the truth of that is not only in our progressive sanctification. The truth of that is in our positional sanctification when one day we absence our bodies and we are present with our Lord. Amen? It all started on the night he was betrayed. And he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. He took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of, of me. Why? So that you and I might celebrate a living glory. So that we might recognize a living hope. And so that we might look forward to a living future. I don't know about you. But that rearranges everything in my life. As I understand the honor and glory 